Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we are graced with two young entrepreneurs, young leaders, young ed reformers, Catherine Bellinger and Alexis Morin, founders of the Students for Education Reform. Welcome to the EdCast, welcome to Harvard, and welcome to this room. Thank you. Thanks. So ladies, I'm really curious, sort of the, the first touch point in, the, in your origin story of how this group got formed and it, whether it's similar to other, other young startups and education entrepreneurship experiences uh, like Teach for America. Sure. So Alexis and I met each other when we were freshmen at Princeton, and I had uh, arrived at Princeton uh, looking to meet other students who are passionate about teaching and the education field because I had worked as a teaching assistant at a KIPP charter school in high school. So for me, the desire was to connect with other young people and see what we could do when we were working together. Um, and I wanted to expose other young people to some of the great things that I'd seen at KIPP and go through that learning process together. And I grew up in Massachusetts outside uh outside Worcester in a town called Northborough, and I sat as the student rep on my school board. And it was really interesting because Northborough, Southborough Regional Schools are considered a high-performing uh, district, and they serve many of their students well, but I still saw lots of issues that play out in urban context mm -hmm. in my suburban schools. So that piqued my interest even in high school. Um, and then my sister went to, went to BU, and I would go visit her with my family, and we would drive back along Calm Ave, and, I saw Match Match Public Charter Schools building, and I was like, what is a charter school? So I went home and researched it, and I found this guide that Match had made for the Massachusetts Department of Education about high-impact tutoring, and I read about what they were doing with their program, and I was absolutely taken. I was thinking, oh my goodness, education is so powerful. It can reach kids in, in ways that we don't see at scale, um, and I knew that I had to be part of it. So when Catherine and I connected at Princeton, we were really excited to meet someone equally dweeby and nerdy and excited about education reform. No, but the, the secret is that when I first met Alexis as an 18-year-old, I thought she was really fashionable, and so I was very intimidated. But eventually, our, our um, sort of business partnership grew into a friendship, and that's something we see with all of our Esper chapter leaders is that um, they start up the chapters because of their mission and drive for this work. But what makes it a movement is that they're not just working together, they also become friends. Um, and they're like, you know, saying happy birthday on Facebook, and they're like going to fly across the country to meet each other at their chapters. And they're um, all getting less and less fashionable as education reform takes <laughs> exactly, over Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, how many days have you been working to close the achievement gap without showering? <laughs> ah, okay, so Alexis, your, your vision of fashionability is not made it into the mission. No. No. She was fashionable her freshman year. It's been a, a slow decline. So, so I think a lot of people are always curious how something goes from the idea stage to the actuality stage, to having your website and to having your organization, to having to be set up, fundraising, donations, vision, um, and growth. So when you ask about growth, I think about the two ingredients to growth. I think it's audacity. Um, we have a core value in Esfer, audacity and humility. It's, it's two words, but three words, but one value. Um, but you have to have this bold vision and you have to believe I'm a college student, but people, people will listen if I speak up and share what I know about this system and what my experiences have been. Um, and then the other ingredient that comes to mind is teamwork. So Catherine and I met each other, but 
very quickly met lots of other students on our own campus and then on campuses across the country who shared that passion and we worked together to share best practices campus to campus at first in an informal network you know skype calls we dropbox right (laughs) yes like all sorts of really low budget ways of just connecting people um and over the we had a student group at princeton the first year the second year we grew Um, to 20 campuses uh, and that was just like out of our dorm rooms making slide decks for each other to sort of encapsulate what did we learn what did we done what inspired people what were the critical questions we needed to be asking how are we talking about our own experiences in public schools or in schools of choice Um, and then in the summer of 2011 new schools venture fund which is a san francisco based um venture philanthropy that works with education entrepreneurs invited us to basically spend the summer in their office uh, writing a business plan for a nonprofit. And that was crazy. We, we were at their conference and Mark Zuckerberg was talking and we ran out of the session. We actually skipped Mark Zuckerberg's <laughs> session. No offense, Mark. Um, He's probably not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Audacity. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and finally, people around us were saying, what SFR members are accomplishing on their campuses, getting people motivated to act on this, getting them informed, um, empowering them to share their opinion. Um, it's huge. So how is it going to go nationwide? And so we got to spend the summer in San Francisco you know, creating that plan and thinking about what a nonprofit would have to look like to support all of these campuses. Um, And then that fall, we started payroll, we built a team, um, we started growing. This was after we had decided to take the year off because we were in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. You forgot to mention that. It's not like we were going to class senior year last fall. We, um, at the end of our business planning period, we um, finished the business plan. We were like, okay, business plan done. Uh, now what? And everyone said, well, now you start executing on the business plan. And we said, well, that means we have to raise, you know, like a million dollars and hire people. And they're like, yeah. So you now you just have to do that. So we realized that if we were going to uh, achieve the vision in our business plan, um, we had to take a year off from college. Um, so we had to convince our parents, which was the most difficult thing. And then we had to raise a million dollars, which was the easier thing. Um, and over the course of the year, we um, created this model for supporting our chapter leaders um, and giving them the mentoring that they needed to start up these chapters. Um, And that one-on-one mentoring is really, really key. So we developed a state expansion model where we would choose certain states for entry and hire a full-time state state program director. Um, so cross between camp counselor and community organizer and political strategist who was big sibling, big best, sibling friend. best friend, um, who was helping our chapter leaders figure out what policies to advocate for in their state and then how to organize effectively on their campuses. Um, so we went to uh, four states last year, um, and then we had three folks in the central office, uh, me, Alexis, and a national program director. Um, so last year, seven full-time staff. Um, now we're at 15 full-time folks um, as we're growing, adding more state directors, building out the central office team. And essentially our big question is, um, how can we best support our chapter leaders so that they have the resources to empower more students on their campus and have their voices heard? Um, I think movements can be totally organic, but 
they also do need structures to grow new leaders. Um, how are you going to develop a freshman so that they um, are you know, uh, passionate and empowered and understand the policy issues? Um, if you have the resources and full-time people who can coach and mentor those students, then it, it helps the movement grow even faster. How important is it that you guys are 22 years old, 21, in your early 20s doing this kind of work rather than thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to graduate from college and then I'm going to go work somewhere else and then I'm going to eventually jump into some, something I'm really passionate about. What is, what is the young um, perspective on education reform? How does that contribute to the sort of broader dialogues that are occurring? I think the most important thing about the young perspective on education reform is that we are so close to our own K-12 and college experiences. So every time we meet a chapter leader, we have 130 chapters now, this is the most phenomenal group of young people in the US. And they will say right off the bat, you know, when I got to college, I had to take remedial classes. Why? Or my child is now in the public school system in my city and she hasn't learned to read yet, what's going on there? Um, or, you know, one teacher made the difference for me. They were the person who mentored me through the entire college application process. Or I went to a suburban school, but I saw really, really alarming tracking along socioeconomic lines. So the proximity to that K-12 experience and the ability to see how it flows into access to higher education and all sorts of opportunities, it's so raw to people of our age. Um, and we don't have any vested interest other than what we experienced and what we hope for other students because we're not working for anybody yet. Um, and we can really speak truth to power about what's happening in our schools um, and work with students from across the country to do that. So I think a lot of emotional, the way that schools affect kids, our members can communicate that in a way that's very emotionally resonant um, with a larger audience. Um, it's very far from that sort of policy wonk discussion, which I love, I will, I will do. Um, we really enjoy that, but we have to think about what this looks like for students on the ground, and that's what S for members bring to the table. So tell me this much, you're going to graduate soon. In May. In yeah, May. We're, we're both enrolled in Princeton uh, classes and Alexis is doing a field study actually studying student organizing and student movements in the US um, and I am I was not quite as far ahead on my requirements so I am taking statistics and international relations which are the introduction introductory requirements to my policy major that I never <laughs> took with a bunch of 18 year olds yes but that's fine because I can just organize them to join Esper oh good so well, that, really, that works really out well like an yeah, organizing yeah. Strategy. so works. I I live and work in New York and commute um, on Mondays to New Jersey. Wow. And, and this, this for you guys, post-graduation, is what you're going to do? Yes. Yes. And how many comparisons to Wendy Cop and TFA do you guys get? People, people make the comparison. We are, um, I guess, would get flustered because TFA is so much um, older and bigger than us, um, and Wendy is certainly an inspiration. Um, but I think we would try... We're tr we try to follow in the footsteps of, of social movements. Um, and I think that um, groups like SNCC and Students for Democratic Society and some of the more recent ones like you know that have sprung up, like um, Students Against Sweatshops and uh, STAND, the like, anti-genocide organization, and Students for a Free Tibet, there are these, there's this rich history of college students being the truth tellers and being the optimists who say, 
Um, things are not good the way they are right now, but they could get better. Um, it's this like sort of the, the terrible reality and yet the incredible possibility. Um, so we, we try to follow in the path of social movements. And for you guys, I mean, this may be the first touch point for so many on SFER, that's what you guys call it, mm -hmm. Students for Ed Reform. We hear a lot of different pronunciations. Yeah, when, when our, when our um, sometimes, yeah, people sometimes say CFER, and yeah. I'm just like, are, is, that, is that a, like, a, you read it wrong? Um, maybe we need education reform so people can spell. Um, we joke about suffer. Yes, that's <laughs> our, if, that's a good if one. we haven't slept like a couple nights in a row, uh -huh. then sometimes we accidentally call it <laughs> suffer. When our chapter leaders are postering at 2 a.m. Yeah. Wow, wow. So, uh, so what if someone wants, it, hears this, kind of sees the enthusiasm through your voices and, and wants to start their own chapter on their college? What, what is the process and how do they go about kind of carrying on your movement? Sure. So we don't have a, um, we don't have like a sort of selection process. It's more of a recognition process. Um, and we really believe that any college student who can sort of meet the bar of um, starting up a club at their school, building an executive board, getting recognized, organizing people around our statement of principles, they're going to have something to contribute. So um, you don't have to be at a certain type of school. Um, it can be a two-year college, a four-year college. Um, we want you to be part of our movement. We believe every student has a voice to contribute. Um, we will sometimes, through the um, recognition process, suggest that you know, if you're a freshman, maybe you want to co-found the chapter with a junior or a senior. To, so we get a lot of co-chapter leaders. Um, but the first step is uh, just to go to our website. There's a link you can click, uh, start a chapter, um, and the instructions are there. Well, as someone who's been at the Harvard School of Education the past three years, I have seen firsthand what SFER students at Harvard have been doing, both being active participants in all the stuff that we're doing. And as this be, it, for me, seeing how impressed I was by them, and then now being able to meet the founders uh, on behalf of everyone here at the grad school, thanks for what you guys are doing and what you're doing for education. It really helps what we do here. So, um, well, Thank you for mentoring our uh, S for Harvard members and for including them in the work that the graduate school is doing. And I must say this much, they were pretty stylish girls. Alexis, well done. It's a boys This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thanks to Catherine and Alexis. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.